Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word.
Didn't they do a great job? Wasn't that awesome? That's not me. Turn around, shake hands with your neighbor before you're seated and tell him it's good to see him in church today. to see you all today. Amen. Is it too early to complain that it's hot outside? As it's, it's May, it might be a little early, but I'm complaining on the inside. Anyway, good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 31. We're going to jump right into the word of the Lord today. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And here's the verses that most of us are familiar with, verse 35 and 36. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Amen. I want to preach on this subject this morning, the fallacy of the ideal. The fallacy of the ideal. Why don't you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you today for this opportunity to be in your house, to be in your presence, to hear your word. And we ask you today, God, to speak to us, challenge us, and let your word change us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right, it's a little quiet in here today, so I need your help, amen? Need a little help today. Hey, good to see my Aunt Judy here. I just saw her sitting back there. Good to see you, Judy. The fallacy of the ideal. You know, we all dream of being in better circumstances in life, and it might depend on what your situation is, on how you would interpret that. Somebody might want a nicer car or a better home, or a better job, maybe your ideal situation would be better health, or to lose some weight, or better relationships, who knows. Some people wish that their neighbors were different, or their church was more of this and less of that, or maybe they wish that their kids would act in a certain way, or that they would get certain grades in school. Some people might wish that their spouses acted differently, or that they had a spouse, or Maybe that they didn't have a spouse. I hope that's not you. <laughs> or maybe they hope that they lived in the mountains or, or on the lake or near a beach. See, we can all probably think of some things in life that would fit our definition of what is ideal to us. For some, the idea, ideal situation would be just what you are right now but with a lot less drama. Can somebody say amen to that? You know, I don't need to change anything. Just get rid of some of this drama. 
But you see, we've come to expect that in life, we just have to cope with less than ideal circumstances. We understand that. Once you finally grow up, you realize that life is not just about you. And if you think that life is still about you, you just still haven't grown up. I don't care what your, your biological age is. You're just not quite there yet because it's not. You might not like your job, but you understand that you still have to work, right? You may not be the picture of health, but maybe you're trying to do your best. Maybe you don't like your wife or your husband's cooking, but you still have to eat. <laughs> you, you've learned to live with less than ideal situations. See, we understand that life is not always ideal. You just take the lemons and you got to learn how to make lemonade. But oftentimes we live by a different set of expectations when it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to our walk with God. We understand and we learn that we can live with less than ideal circumstances in the world, but we in turn allow it to somehow make us think that God doesn't love us as much as the next guy if we're not living in ideal circumstances. We understand in real life everything doesn't go our way, but somehow when we're in that situation, a lot of times we get mad at God or we get upset at God and we think that maybe uh, I'm living by a different set of rules than everybody else. Uh, somehow we think that maybe I'm, I'm a misfit spiritually or God forgot my address or he doesn't know where I live. And we take these less than ideal circumstances and we think that somehow God has forgotten who we are. See, we got the mindset that ideal equals blessed. Perfect means God's approval. Or we think that no problems means I must be in the right lane spiritually. I want to help somebody here today. <clears throat> For example, some people think, well, I should never have to encounter church problems because my church ought to be full of great people just like me. I'm going to just let that sit there for a moment. Because, by the way, what would this church be like if everybody was just like you? That's just something to think about, isn't it? It might be awesome, or it might be in need of serious prayer. I don't know. Only you can answer that. See, or, or people think, well, I'm never going to have any spiritual problems because greater is, he than he that is, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I thought that was a guarantee of a problem-free life. No, not at all. Or you might think, well, my finances are never going to be challenged because I tithe. And, or somebody prophesied that this was going to be my season of deliverance. Or I spun around three times and shouted, I'm coming out of it. You know, that doesn't guarantee that things are always going to be smooth and silky for you. We've fallen in love, hear me, with the fallacy of the ideal. And it has become... Uh, our expectation, and in some cases, those expectations will lead to your downfall. What is a fallacy? It's a deceptive way of thinking. It's a misleading or a false notion. Uh, it's an erroneous assumption. Fallacies are unsound arguments or reasoning. It's, it's a faulty system of beliefs. See, we can have this fallacy or this false idea that if everything was ideal in my life, then everything would be okay. I want to help somebody today. If I made more money, we would be okay. If I could fix this one issue, 
our marriage would never struggle again. If I could just get a new job. You see, the problem with this is that if all you're doing is dreaming of the ideal, hear me, you are never going to do anything with what you have right now. Amen. You're never going to accomplish anything with where you are right now. I want to remind somebody here today that even as a Christian, you can expect trials and difficulties and circumstances that are, all, that are not always like what we would have liked for them to be. You're married to an imperfect person, so there's going to be conflict occasionally. Can all the married folks say amen? The two of you gave birth to kids who are just like the two of you, and then you wonder why they act the way they do. Oh, hallelujah. My God, I got the worst kids in the world. Well, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> see, and you know what? The life that we see portrayed in Hollywood or on social media by many of our friends, it's not helping us in the comparison game. You think they're living the ideal. No, no, no. That's their Facebook ideal. That's their Instagram ideal, amen? That's their Snapchat ideal. If you run that camera 24-7, you're going to find out, man, it ain't so great after all. See, it's the fallacy of the ideal. It's the idea that everything is great. We see the people in Hollywood, we think their lives are great. Have you ever noticed how many of those marriages end in divorce? Have you ever noticed how many of these people end up killing themselves? Here's what the scripture says, John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Everybody say it with me. In this world you will have trouble. Write it down. Take it to the bank. Anticipate it. Expect it. Man, I thought you were going to help me today, Pastor. Oh, I'm going to help you a lot. I'm going to help you a lot today, amen. But guess what it also said? Take heart. I have overcome the world, amen. See, we have an advantage knowing that all circumstances of life happen to the just and to the unjust. But guess what? We've got an advantage. We have Christ in us who overcame the world. Hallelujah. See, as Christians, we should face circumstances with a confident attitude. And you know what? You need to beware of the if-onlys. The if-onlys. If only I had more money, then I'd be happy. If only I did not have this problem on my job, then I could really be victorious. If only I had not married goofball, then my life would have turned out differently. If only my health were better, then I would feel like worshiping God and pleasing Him. If only I could lose some more weight, I would be happy. See, ideal circumstances, if only, if only, if only, they are not the answer. Paradise, utopia, Camelot, somewhere over the rainbow. These are places in our dreams, folks. They promise a tranquil, carefree environment, but it's really a fallacy. And you know what? Hear me. You want to know why this is a problem? It causes us to be discontent with where we are and with who we are and with where God has put us in our lives. Ideal circumstances do not make you victorious. Right thinking, right living, 
And walking by faith and not by sight is what leads to a victorious overcoming life. Learning to trust in the all-sufficient grace of God is what will lead to victory. Ideal circumstances required in order to succeed is a fallacy. And I want to highlight the experience of a few people in the Bible who failed in what was seemingly ideal circumstances. And also I want to highlight somebody that overcame some difficult circumstances. There are a lot of incidents in Scripture, I could have come up with dozens of them, which nullify the thought, hear me, that a life of victory is dependent upon perfect circumstances. Amen. Important attitudes and lessons can be gleaned today from these people in the Scripture if you just open your heart and look at their example. Let's start with a good one, a bad one. Let's talk about Lucifer in heaven. Lucifer, or the light bearer, was a name ascribed to the devil in the days prior to his fall from heaven. The major passages that describe Lucifer are Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, Revelation chapter 12. Now, from these passages, we can see that Lucifer lived in ideal circumstances. Hear me. The Bible says he was full of beauty and wisdom. He was clothed with every precious stone. He had within him the ability to create beautiful music. This immensely beautiful angel was given the privilege of covering and guarding the presence of God. Literally, the presence of the Most High. Lucifer actually lived in the actual presence of God. It wasn't proverbial. It wasn't hypothetical. He lived in it. Lucifer was absolutely in ideal circumstances. But despite his ideal environment, he was tempted and he fell. Not even the position of being an anointed angel was safe from temptation. Wickedness, the Bible says, was found in Lucifer. Now, I don't have time to elaborate on these today. This will be another sermon all by itself. But I want you to look at the five I wills of Lucifer that led to his downfall. These are in Isaiah 14, verse 13 through 14. He said, I will ascend into heaven. He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He said, I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Number five, he said, I will be like the most high. Does anybody notice the consistency there? I will. I. Lucifer fell from heaven. He took with him a third of the angels. By the way, those are what we call demons today. And the downfall of Lucifer is evidence. Hear me. Ideal circumstances, even close fellowship with God, does not assure you of victory. Amen. Lucifer shows us that pride sometimes arises uh, when a person's circumstances are close to ideal. Show me somebody who has a lot of great things going for them, and I will show you somebody who has to be intentional about not allowing pride to overtake them. Amen. See, we think people that have a lot of stuff going for them, it's all easy for them. No, it's not. They've got different battles to fight. When situations are at their best, oftentimes hearts can be turned from God through pride. Somehow we begin to think that we've, uh, we've, uh, we've gained this through the labor of our own hands or or, or uh, we've, it's our just reward for being good people or, or from years of good stewardship or whatever it might be. But hear me, taking pride in accomplishments and talents and skills, if you're not careful, it can lead you away from a dependency on God. Just ask the devil. Just ask the devil. 
In Deuteronomy 32, Moses warned the people of Israel of the dangers of forgetting the source of their provision once they entered into the promised land. So here's the lesson of Lucifer. It reveals that when circumstances approach protect, uh, 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 approach perfection, there is a very real danger of pride and willful sin. And Lucifer found out that great circumstances do not guarantee success. It's the fallacy of the ideal. Let me give you another one. Adam in paradise. Another example found in the Bible. A failure in the midst of a near-perfect environment is Adam's fall in the Garden of Eden. God made him in his own image. Later, he made a companion initially called woman and later called Eve. Check it out. Adam had food in abundance. He had a beautiful wife. He had authority over the Garden of Eden. He had dominion over the animal kingdom. Adam and Eve were living in a perpetual vacation. They really were. He didn't have to work. Food was everywhere. And it was just him and his wife on their eternal honeymoon. How ideal is that? Amen? <laughs> Amen. Only one thing was withheld from Adam. And that was partaking of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But here came the sly old fox, Lucifer. Remember the guy who just fell from heaven? Through the craftiness of the serpent. And then Eve and then Adam ate of the fruit. And they were thrown out of the garden. Now this is another problem with the ideal. Let me just point this out to you. No matter how good you have it, we always crave the forbidden fruit. Amen. Can somebody say amen or oh me? People always crave what they can't have. Remember King Ahab? Ahab had it all, but he desired the one vineyard that was refused to him by Naboth. Read the story. I just read it this week. When this desire consumed him, he wasn't able to enjoy any of his royal privileges because of the one thing that was unattainable. So his wicked wife Jezebel went out and plotted a scheme and had Naboth killed, and then Ahab took the vineyard. You're the king. You can have anything you want. You have an abundance of everything. And then this one thing that he couldn't have drove him to sin. David, the Bible said David had beautiful wives. He had beautiful concubines. Yet he just had to have Bathsheba, the one thing he couldn't have. Saul had everything that a king could want, except he just had to assume the priestly duties when the priest wasn't around. And he had to do something and perform a sacrifice that he was not allowed to perform. But he did it anyway. Although every want and whim of man might be sufficiently satisfied, if there is a single item which is withheld, often that can consume a man's affections. John Rockefeller, who was at one point the world's richest man, and he was the first ever American billionaire. Matter of fact, considering that he was a billionaire in the early 1900s, some people still consider him to be the richest person in modern history. John Rockefeller. You know what a reporter once asked him? They said, how much money is enough? Remember, this is the richest man in the world. You know how he responded? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. You see, Adam and Eve found out that ideal circumstances do not guarantee your success. It's a fallacy. I'm trying to help somebody here today. Ideal circumstances is not what's holding you back it's our infatuation with the ideal. Look at Judas among the 12. Another interesting example. 
12 men chosen by Jesus to follow him and become the leaders in his ministry. Judas was one of the original 12 disciples, and he was chosen to have great fellowship with the Lord. Judas was the treasurer for the disciples, and it was this role that caused Judas to fall. As the money keeper, Judas used his office to steal from the money dedicated to the Lord's mission and his ministry. And while the other disciples were growing in knowledge and power and relationship and fellowship with the Lord, Judas was just growing more devious. Finally, when Mary anointed the feet of Jesus with a pound of pure ointment, Judas's greed could not be hidden any longer. Judas objected to the use of the perfume on the grounds. He said it could be sold and the money could be given to the poor, but that wasn't the, his reason for his objection. His reasoning was he was greedy. He wanted more for himself. Immediately following that event in Bethany, Judas betrayed the Lord. He lost his apostleship. He lost his life. Ultimately, he lost all hope. And Judas was a disciple of Jesus. Judas hung out with Jesus every day. Not in the sense that we hang out with Jesus. I mean, Jesus was right there. Eating fish sandwiches. Building fires. Drinking tea. He was hanging out with Jesus, listening to the teachings. He was entrusted with the money, and yet those ideal circumstances did not guarantee Judas's success. You know what's really crazy about it? The same Jesus that led Peter, James, and John was also the one leading Judas, but totally different results. You see, clearly, ideal circumstances are not necessities for victorious Christian living. In fact, it seems that we often thrive in the midst of our struggles. It's through the struggles that we grow in faith toward the Lord. You probably have heard this story before where the little boy was watching a cocoon that was shaking violently as the butterfly inside was trying to escape. It appeared to him that the butterfly was in trouble. He thought, I need to help this butterfly out. So he cut open the cocoon and he pulled out the struggling butterfly, but the butterfly just laid there and kind of flapped its wings around, and it never would fly. Its wings never developed enough to support its weight. See, because the boy, he thought he was helping, but by helping the butterfly out of the cocoon, he robbed that butterfly of the struggle that it needed to gain strength to fly. By taking it out of its adverse circumstance, he robbed it of the strength that would allow it to move to the next level in its development. Just as a butterfly gains strength from the struggle, you know, you and I as Christians, we gain much-needed strength from facing difficulties and circumstances and overcoming them through the grace of God. Amen? See, hear me, folks. Here's a message for somebody. You do not need ideal circumstances to succeed. Don't let that continue to hold you back. Don't let that continue to be your excuse. Don't let that cause you to flounder where you are when God wants to prosper you and strengthen you and bless you where you are. Let me flip the script now, and I want you to look at the life of somebody else in the Bible, a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph thrived in what was less than ideal circumstances. Joseph had a dream of excelling above his brothers and becoming someone great, but that dream, however, <coughs> cost him, and he realized a tremendous price for being a dreamer. 
Joseph's life can be categorized by three different coats that he wore. Every one of these coats represented a varying set of circumstances or season in his life that could have proven to be fatal. But Joseph didn't let his circumstances destroy his destiny. Amen? First of all, there was the coat of many colors. Joseph was Jacob's favorite child. Read about it in the book of Genesis chapter 37. And because of this, Jacob gave his 17-year-old son Joseph a special coat. And for this and then many other reasons we don't have time to go into, all of his brothers were jealous of Joseph and they hated him. They treated him poorly. And the hatred grew so bad that one day when Joseph told his dream to his brothers, they stripped him of his coat, which symbolized his childhood. They threw him into a pit. And then they finally sold him as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. Now, can you stop and imagine what it must be like to be the little brother of a bunch of guys who steal your coat, throw you in a pit, and then sell you as a slave? And then they lie to your dad and pretend that you were killed by a wild beast in order to do the cover-up of the story. Can you imagine how broken he must have felt, how devastated he must have felt? Yet Joseph never displayed a spirit of revenge or retaliation toward his brothers. You know why? Even in the midst of these bad circumstances, he held on to his dream of what God was calling him to do and to be. You see, all things really do work together for good to them that truly love the Lord. Amen? So first of all, Joseph had the coat of many colors. Then he had the forsaken coat. He's sold as a slave. He's arriving in Egypt. He was sold to Potiphar, the captain of the guard of Pharaoh's army. Uh, he was given a second coat. He was in a different set of circumstances. And now he was elevated to the overseer of Potiphar's house. Most of you know the story, but if you don't, day after day, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. Day after day, she tried to appeal to him to, to come and have an affair with her. And one day when all of the men were gone from the house, Potiphar's wife grabbed Joseph. And Joseph literally resisted so much that she tore the coat from off of his body. She began to scream that she had been attacked. She get, uh, Man, that woman must have really been upset. She started uh, screaming that she'd been attacked, and now she's got Joseph's coat as the alleged proof. And all of a sudden, Joseph goes from being the high-ranking guy in Potiphar's house to being thrown into prison for not compromising his integrity. Did you know the fourth commandment prohibiting adultery hadn't even been written yet? <laughs> but Joseph still knew it was wrong. His coat meant less to him than preserving his dream and being something great for God. See, Joseph had bad circumstances, but it didn't stop him. And that led to his third coat. He lost two coats to difficult circumstances, and now Joseph finds himself in prison. His ability to dream and understand dreams was useful when he was in prison. He correctly interpreted the dream of Pharaoh's butler and his baker, and eventually this ability led to him interpreting a dream of Pharaoh himself, and it was very significant. Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream to mean that there would be seven years of plenty that was going to be in the land, and it was going to be followed by seven years of famine. And this time, Joseph's circumstance played out. He was given a third coat, the coat of Pharaoh. Joseph became second in command in all of Egypt. From being the little brother that everybody hated, to being the guy in Potiphar's house, to being the guy in prison, to now being second in command of Egypt. You want to know why Joseph made it? 
Because Joseph never bought into the fallacy of the ideal. He never bought into it. He never became so attached to his circumstances that it would shatter his dream when things were less than ideal. Rather, he accepted the difficulties and he knew that this was part of seeing his dream realized. And what a powerful lesson this is for you and I today. Hear me. You might be in a less than ideal circumstance right now, but maybe God has you there for a reason. Maybe the coat that you are wearing right now is just a temporary coat that's going to lead you to the next stage that God has in your life. See, we need to not let our circumstances dictate our relationship to God. See, so we're okay. We get it. We understand things aren't going to be great on the job. Things aren't always great at home. Things aren't always great in life. Things aren't always great in our finances. But yet sometimes we, we, we take it out on God and we think, God, what are you doing? You've forsaken me. Not at all. Not at all. God is teaching us in the middle of our challenging circumstances. When Joseph wore the prison coat and felt abandoned, he still loved God. When Joseph had left the coat in the hands of Potiphar's lying wife, he still loved God. When Joseph's brothers stripped him of his coat of many colors and threw him into the dungeon, into the, uh, into the pit, and then sold him into slavery, he still loved God. And he never lost sight of his dream. Joseph didn't buy the lie of the ideal. I want you to stand with me right now, and I'm going to ask the praise team and the prayer team to come. I'm here to help somebody today. Some of you feel trapped in a less than ideal circumstance. And you know what? If you're not careful, it's going to cost you what God wants to do in the next phase of your development and in your walk with Him. Don't let less than ideal circumstances destroy you. Don't let them sabotage you. Maybe your marriage is not what you envisioned it when you walked down the aisle. Maybe your job is not the job that you wanted. Maybe it's not the career that you thought you'd have. Maybe your kids are being rebellious. Maybe, maybe who knows what it might be. Maybe your finances are difficult. And you know what? If we just focus on our circumstances... The fallacy of the ideal will sabotage us and destroy us. Joel, if you'll play, please. Our text says that the love of Christ is greater than tribulation, greater than distress, greater than persecution, greater than famine, greater than nakedness, greater than peril, greater than sore. Incorporated in this list are the greatest fears that we have as human beings, the loss of shelter, food, clothing, reputation, life. See, the, but the love of Christ is greater than all these. Amen. Paul proclaimed that death, life, angels, demons, things present, things future, power, height, depth, none of these things can move a Christian from the security of the love of Christ. So why are we allowing what we wish would happen to stop us from thriving where we are? Maybe God's got something greater down the road for you, and I hope He does. I pray that He does. But until that happens, grow where you are planted. Amen? 
Take the lemons of life and make lemonade. Show somebody how you can be strong and that you really do believe that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. All of these obstacles can be overcome. You know, it's also interesting to note that when Paul was talking here, he mentioned the present and the future, but he ignored the past. Some of us, we need to forget about what's behind us. You need to be comforted in the fact that you've confessed, you've repented of your sins, the Lord has forgiven you, He has chosen to remember your sins no more. Quit letting those things hold you hostage. Amen? Paul said that we are, no, we are more than conquerors through Christ. There was no timidity, no shyness in his proclamation of the great keeping power of God. This attitude of faith and confidence is what it takes to live a victorious life. Don't fall prey to the fallacy of the ideal. Paul's confidence in Christ, not in his circumstances, is what made him an overcomer. I'm not going to preach about Paul today, but you want to look at less than ideal circumstances? You look at the life of Paul after he became a believer. It would have been enough to make most of us just say, man, what did I sign up for? Somebody show me the exit so I can get back to my old life again. But no, Paul just dug in deeper, and he saw the will of God accomplished. Regardless of the circumstances, it is possible for you to lean on God. You can have victory as a child of God, and it's not determined by your circumstances. It's determined by you and how you respond in the middle of your adversity. Stop believing the lie of the devil that ideal circumstances are what you need to succeed. You know what you need? Faith, hope, and love. That's what you need. You can do it. So we're going to have an altar call right now. I'm going to open this altar. I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are. And first of all, I want you to give God praise and thanksgiving for everything that you have in life. Now, notice what I'm talking about. We're not focusing on what we don't have. We're not focusing on what we're lacking. We're not focusing on what we want. We're not focusing on the fallacy of the ideal. We're going to focus on being thankful for what we have right now, who we are right now, what God has done for us right now, the condition of my body right now. God, I am just thankful that I'm here living, breathing, and I can lift my hands and give you praise. Amen. And then... After we thank Him for giving us strength to sustain us in whatever situation we are in life, I'm going to ask you to say, God, I want you to give me strength for this season. Some of you are in a difficult season, and I'm not here to diminish that. I'm here to help you understand God can see you through this season. To step out from where you are and say, God, I don't want to just focus on the ideal. I want to focus on where I'm at so you can take me where I need to go next. You can't get from A to Z without B, C, D, E, E, F, G, H, I. You can't skip all those phases and steps. Why don't you step out from where you are right now? Come on, everybody step out from where you are. Help me, Lord. Come on. Help me, Lord. Help me to thank you right where I'm at. Help me not to focus on what I'm lacking, but help me to focus on what I have. 
God, help me not to focus on my inefficiencies, but help me to focus on I have strength in you, oh God. Come on, it's not too late because you're still here. It's not too late because you're still here. It's not too late. Your story is not complete. The last chapter has not been written. The last sentence has not been struck with the pen. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. That's it, God. Help me to grow where I'm planted. Come and make your throne upon our praise. Here in this place. That's it, that's it, that's it. The moment Lord, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. I trust you. Show us your glory. Right show where I am. Us your glory. I am blessed right where I am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Let everybody be Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yes. Yes, I'm so blessed. I'm so thankful. Show. 